challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is the Ninja Pastor with Sunday's God in Country with Dr. Sean. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical reverend. Dr. Sean is a proud U.S. military veteran, former law enforcement officer, founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through his riveting national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This show is biblically and politically engaged in the battle to save our country. With a pedal to the metal, with this Sunday's edition of Sundays with Dr. Sean. Buckle up. Here's your host, the author of the critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Reverend Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, with today's message. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you to all of you who are joining with us today. It's an honor to have you. Um, We have a good time here, of course. And uh, it starts with great fellowship, food and fellowship. We had incredible food uh, this week. I can attest to that personally and professionally. You can trust me, my professional opinion on food has been long and widely regarded. And it's passed the test for many, many years. I made it this far. So um, it's funny that I mentioned that. Hello to RFB Radio with Kel. Hello, Kel. How are you? Thank you for joining us today. It's an honor to have you. She's a great, great show. I've been honored to be on many times. Um, If you hear my voice sounding kind of funny, I think I have an allergy deal. Uh, The sun came out, it was 78 degrees. I spent a lot of time, uh, if you're on Facebook or uh, any of those places, look at my photos that I took the other day on Facebook. Um, I was outside a lot, and uh, all of a sudden I couldn't breathe. So I guess it's allergies, who knows. But it was worth it. It was worth it. It was so beautiful. What What a blessing to have that. So please excuse my voice. Um, that's not my only problem, but the title of, of this, this week is, so what's my problem? And we're going to jump right into it. Cause I think I'm trying to shove about 10 pounds of gold. And you thought I was going to say something else, didn't you? 10 pounds of gold in a five pound time slot. You guys, you have bad sayings, don't you? And, uh, thank you for joining us all around the world. It's so, uh, it's so good to have you. Hello to upstate New York. Good to have you with us. And, um, it's just an honor to have people listen. Sometimes I wonder why in the world do people listen. But maybe tonight uh, we'll answer that some. So what's my problem? What's the cause of my problem? What's my nature? I have my good side and I have my bad side. But how many sides do I really have? What's my real problem and how do I fix it? Can I fix this problem? problem really is. The truth is my problem really is I want to be God. You might be saying, Ninja Pastor, no, you must be crazy. You don't want to be God. Well, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just only me. Yes, sure it is. It's only me. We'll just pretend that way. It's just me. Maybe it's just me, but you might just listen in. Maybe you could help me. Maybe you have the the game plan. You have the fix for my problem. Not you, just me. I mean, because you don't have the problem. It's just me, but perhaps you could just help me for old time's sake. Some of us have been friends a long time. I know we aren't all old friends, but we are friends. At least we will be great friends over time. I wanted to share this with you. Please uh, also share this link with everybody you know. Uh, that makes a big difference. And when you leave uh, when you leave comments, that's very encouraging. And it's also uh, it helps to promote our, uh, you know, where what we're doing here. Uh, because the more people that comment. And likes are nice, but share is very important. We get it in the hands three. It doesn't cost you or whoever you're sending it to anything, uh, but that that helps us gain us more visibility. We reach out more people. There's a couple things I thought of this week before we get into the meat of it. Maybe this is just the dressing on the salad, but I think it's important. Sins that crucified our Lord. And if you're at home or not driving a car, don't do this if you're driving a car or a space shuttle. If astronauts are listening, I, I can never assume where you're flying a plane or a helicopter. Don't write this down, but um, refer back to this. It's always free to listen. Sins that crucified our Lord. The sin of ignorance. That's talked about in Ephesians 4.18. Then we have the sin of denial. 1 Timothy 5.8. The sin of hate. 1 John 4.20. The sin of rejection. Hosea 
four six. The sin of jealousy, James three sixteen. The sin of hypocrisy, first John four twenty. The sin of revenge, Romans twelve nineteen. The sin of selfishness, first John three seventeen. The sin of envy, James three sixteen. The sin of unbelief, John twelve forty eight. The sin of lying, Proverbs twelve twenty two. The sin of neglect, also Hosea four six. Now, you might think, why well, did I give you that long list of sins that crucified our Lord? Well, I'm kind of going to be talking about that, but I'll be talking about me mostly, uh, but maybe some of this resonates with you. Um, I get a lot of letters uh, from people. I deleted, I had 285,000 emails, and I deleted 100 and some thousand emails. And last week alone, I got 31,000. What did I say? How many did I say? 31,000 something emails last week alone. So I spent a lot of time just sitting there typing out replies best I could. And, and uh, you know, really the best way to reach me where I'll see it is through the uh, web address, www.drshawngreener.com or theninjapastor.com. That's really the best way. Or direct messaging me at the Ninja Pastor on Twitter. <clears throat> or if you know my phone number, texting is always best. Voicemails, I don't think so. Not so good at that part. Um, but I but I wanted you to, to have these, uh, and maybe some of these resonate with you. The sin of ignorance, the sin of neglect, the sin of denial, the sin of lying, the sin of hate, the sin of unbelief, the, re, the sin of rejection, the sin of envy, the sin of selfishness, the sin of jealousy, the sin of hypocrisy, the sin of revenge. I don't know, maybe some of those resonate with you. Now, I also want to give you some encouragement because I'm going to come down pretty hard on some stuff tonight. So start you with encouragement. You know, the salesman always hits you with the features and benefits first before he tells you the price. I learned that from a good salesman. You have authority over the devil. You have authority over the devil. So as much of a downer as part of this message will be, it's not going to be a very funny message. I'm going to be very, very honest with you tonight. Some people say I'm, I'm funny, but funny looking maybe. If you could see me, that's why I have a face for radio. Awesome. Let's see here. we got a bunch of other people joining us. It's so good to have all of you join us tonight. Thank you for joining us. I'm honored to have you visit with us. You have authority over the devil. Now, I'm telling you this as uh, one, because the message is not easy to listen to. Two, I want you to remember that very important thing throughout the message. You have authority over the devil. You have authority over Satan. Just remember that. Put that in the back of your mind or the front of your mind, side of your mind. Nobody says put that in the side of your mind. I don't know why. Luke 10:19. This is the New King James Version. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions, and all over the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. You see, Jesus defeated the devil for you. He defeated Satan for you. He put him down for you. According to Matthew 28:18, all authority on earth now belongs to Jesus. As his earthly representatives, Jesus has delegated his authority to us in certain ways. Now, I use the real name of Jesus is Yeshua, so, but I'm reading this this way because we have a lot of people that listen that they're very new to this. All authority, it doesn't say some authority, all authority on earth now belongs to Yeshua. As his earthly representatives, Yeshua has delegated his authority to us in certain ways. Then we have Mark 16, 17, chapter 16, verse 17. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. All believers have authority to use the name of Jesus Christ, of Yeshua HaMashiach. We, we all do. If you've placed your faith in Christ and into HaMashiach, you, you, you have this authority. It's, it's, we don't use it because I'm not so positive all of us really believe we have it. We don't think we deserve it. Well, here's a newsflash. We don't deserve it. The shed blood of Christ on the cross, that's how we got it. That's how we got it. We don't use it. Such a powerful thing. In Yeshua's name or authority, we can cast out the devil and all his forces. Philippians 2.10. This is the New King James Version. That at the name of Yeshua, every knee shall bow. Every knee should bow. Of those in heaven and on those of earth and of those under the earth. Listen, folks, you need to understand this. The name of the Father. Powerful, beyond anything you can imagine. The power 
of Yeshua's name. Yeshua's name. Why don't we use that? Why don't we employ that? Why don't we take into ourselves that power? As I get into my message tonight, you're gonna you're gonna remember this. What else are we gonna remember? What did I say to remember? What was at the beginning? You have authority over the devil. And then you're gonna remember that at the name of Yeshua, every knee should bow, those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. After Yeshua's resurrection, Scripture clearly puts responsibility on the believer to exercise the delegated authority of Yeshua to resist the devil in all his works. Now, I said exercise. This is not selling you some exercise video. Obviously, I'm not a male model, although some mistake me for one. I'm the, I'm the before picture. But I'm going to say this again. After Yeshua's re- resurrection, Scripture clearly puts responsibility on the believer to exercise the delegated authority of Yeshua to resist the devil in all his works. Now, I want you to look at this really quickly because I'm trying to equip you for the message that's coming in a few minutes. Scripture clearly puts responsibility on the believer. So we know we're talking about our responsibility if you're a believer. We know that we're talking about you and me. Me and you, you and I, I and you, whatever the right way to say this. To exercise the delegated authority. Now, that's important. That's so important because it's been delegated to who? Who's he talking to? He's talking to all of us because we're believers. The authority of Yeshua. We got it from Yeshua. To resist the devil in all his works. Ephesians 4.27 in the New King James. Nor give place to the devil. We We don't have to seed. There's not this line. Right? I draw a line. There's not this line, and I say, okay, don't cross that line. And then he comes up to the line, and he steps his toe across. We're not to back up and draw another line. No, we're, we're to stand tall. We have this whole armor of God that we're supposed to put on. James 4.7, I love this one. 4.7, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We have ourselves convinced that we can't win over the things that challenge us, the hurts, habits, and hang-ups. We have convinced ourselves that we can't do it. Why? Because we're trying to do it in our own natural power. First, First Peter 5, 8 through 9. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith. Wow. <clears throat> roaring lion. I'm just going to tell you, if I'm in Africa where there's lions, which I would love, you know that I would love that. You know that I would, I would love to be no cage or anything. Just I want to be somewhere where I can see them and not in a tree because lions can climb trees. I didn't know that. I knew I knew tigers could climb trees, but I didn't know lions could. I knew the mama lion could. They're cats. They can climb. I knew the mama lions could, but I did not know male lions. Male lions, did you know this? This isn't free. I'm not charging any. Male lions have actually dragged water buffaloes up. Now, they're not like, huge ones. They're not, you know, supernatural. But w- small water buffaloes and gazelles and stuff up into trees so they can eat them in peace. I'm not climbing a tree. Note to self, don't climb a tree when you're running from a lion. And oh, by the way, they can run about 45, 50 miles per hour in short sprints. I don't think I can currently. So. Let's just say goodbye now if that ever happens to me. But he says, your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may, may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the face. What's, what steadfast in the face? What is the purpose of a lion's roar? Strike fear. It's to scare you. It's to make you pause or run, one or the other. You can resist the devil and not allow him any place in your life. Because you have authority over the devil. In Christ, I have authority over the devil, all his forces and all his works. You know, if you want to say something encouraging to yourself, it's always good when we talk nice to ourselves. I'm, I have been known to not talk nice to myself. I should repeat that. In Christ, I have authority over the devil, all his forces and his works. You know, thinking about, this is the very personal part, thinking about my message this week, experienced pastors often say uh, to me that their messages are always best when they draw on their personal experiences from their week, how they live their week. Now, that's a tough way. You know, I'm a big fan of series. I like to do series because I like to take you from start to finish. But sometimes if the series is too long, I've been guilty of that. My my Revelation series, what was that, 355 weeks? I mean, it was so long. 
I felt like we did a good job on it, but still, Jesus Who, remember that, Jesus Who, the man on the mountain, and we did that whole series on the Beatitudes? I thought that was good, but that was 155 weeks, I don't know, something like that. It was long, it was a long, long series, and sometimes they can drone on. Or maybe they're good, I like doing them. But you know why pastors do that? Cohesiveness, contiguousness, tethered one point to the next every week. Well, here's a little secret you learn in seminary. It also makes it very easy for sermon preparation, right? Do you know what you're going to preach on? Do you just flow into that? But lately, the Father has been telling me, uh, don't do that right now. That's not for you to do right now. He's been telling me to trust him. He'll give me what to preach. Uh, he gave me what to preach today. <laughs> you know, last what was it, last night I started? Last night I started on this, uh, you know, fairly late in the evening and today. And I worked on it pretty much all day. And what's funny is I worked myself into a seizure, had a pretty major seizure today. Usually I have smaller ones, but I have one knocked over my precious coffee that I had just made all over the place. It was terrible. That's how we say it. So it's getting terrible. Uh, so that, you know, it passed and left me with some residual stuff. So if I fall over, just, you know, prop me back up, put me near the microphone, or I can just talk from down there. Be fine. Don't, don't freak out. But personal experiences from the week. And I think this week I've been dealing with some rejection and some thinking about my true identity. This week I've had the, the John Marino, uh, you know, that was a defeat, 58% went to the other person. You know, I have to tell you, I, have, I happen to have a radio show that on Wednesdays we get about a million listeners. We, we went over a million last week and the week before, so I guess I should say over a million. But we have, we have sometimes big numbers. And, you know, even though those people are all over the world, all over the United States, people know people, and you can influence people, right? Well, it told me, hey, man, why doesn't John Marino come on your show? You should invite him to be on your show. Oh, great idea. Well, unfortunately, uh, the last time he ran and this time, he, he wouldn't come on the show. Uh, about 30 people of, of, you know, really important people have contacted him and said, hey, John Marino, you need to be on Sean's show. It would be great, and you might push you over that edge. I don't know. Maybe it would, maybe it wouldn't. But they wouldn't do it. Why? I suspect it's because he doesn't want to be associated with my brand, the Ninja Pastor brand. Then we had uh, my dear friend uh, over there. I'm not going to say his name because I don't want to dime him out. Uh, but my good friend over there, our great uh, fiddle and violin player, had an idea of having his really, really super you know, international caliber musicians that he's in this band with students um to come and play at an event we're going to do march 5th now march 5th we're all going to meet this popped in my head march 5th we're all going to meet at victory village we're going to have this what we do at victory village in port penn delaware it's going to be really cool it's going to be a short service it's be very very short I'll, I'll preach for maybe 20 30 minutes maybe believe or less anybody taking bets on that i see money going down <laughs> There's like an app that people are going, mm, I'm getting in for 10. Uh, but really and truly, it has to be kept short. We're going to have lots of great music. And this band, you know, it was a great idea. I love the idea. Uh, potentially was going to come and play, you know. Uh, it was really a really exciting thing. I was super, super excited about it. Unfortunately, all but one of the kids' parents, all but one, said yes. Why? Because they did not want to be associated with me literally did not want to be associated with me apparently i'm a bad guy i don't know but but that was a pretty tough thing it was a pretty tough thing they didn't want to be associated with me my brand who i am what i'm what i'm known for i don't know the whole story but i know that's part of the story then there's this other struggle i did a little experiment this week you know when i share videos where i'm fiery and the ninja passer and i'm i'm going after it hard and rah, 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 you know barking 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 Roaring like a lion. I like to think of myself as roaring like a dog. Not like a dog barking, because it would be like a schnauzer or something. Nothing wrong with schnauzers. I'll get, this week I'll get letters from people. I, I'm the president of the Miniature Schnauzer Association of the World, and I don't like you talking. I like schnauzers. Don't get me wrong. Just, that just popped into my head. So I figured I would put out uh, gentle, uplifting videos. How many saw the videos that I did this week? Very brief, three, four minutes. I texted you some of them. If you saw the YouTube, don't worry. That's not some freaky, weird thing. You can click on it. That's my YouTube channel. And, and uh, I did some uh, cinematography, uh, and, I, and I did a voiceover of one, 
and the other one I just did words that pop up on the screen. Really just, I was really moved to do something small, brief, that would be uplifting to people instead of the fiery thing. Well, the fiery thing, some of my stuff has been shared, I don't know, a gazillion times. And people are, you know, lots of comments and all that stuff. I barely got any shares or comments this week on the two uplifting things. Send them by lots of ways, you know, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Magic Carpets, whatever, you know, uh, texted them out, whatever, whatever way I could do that. And, you know, it was weird because it just didn't, it didn't get even one one hundredth of the other stuff yet. And I, I think these are struggles that everybody has. Who am I? I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just like everybody else pretty much. I want to be true to my calling. And do I really concern myself? Should I really concern myself with people's approval? Or should I see myself as God does? Well, that's pretty important to know how God sees me. How does God see me? Sometimes we think we have a problem when we don't actually have a problem. You know, people not receiving us in the way that we want or doing what we think is best isn't a problem necessarily. Wanting people to see us as a whole with respect to our multidimensional, sometimes contradictory facets, passion, kindness, righteous indignation, but also loving and encouraging, isn't a sin nature problem. Look, I have people describe me, they say, oh, he's a sweet little teddy bear. You know, type of there's not many. Most people don't. Um, my kids have me wrapped around their little finger, so they would probably say that. I don't know. Depends on if I'm yelling. I don't yell very much. Maybe I do. I don't know. But my kids really have – they weaken me. My puppy weakens me. It's just, you know, so I'm love, love, love over the puppy. But if the puppy ever saw me really exhibits the other side of my personality, the ninja pastor side of my – the puppy might go, ooh, with that? It's my daddy. He's scary. We have we have contradictory fact contradictory facets to our who we are, you know. Some things we're passionate about, and you know, anybody in here? I'm not give. I'm, I'll just do it anyway. This is us. Who in here has ever watched that show? This is us. It's a new show. Holy moly, crapoli! That show makes me ball like a what? I don't know. Not baby, because that's overused. It's an amazing show. My son. Ugh, Got me into the show. Got me hooked on this show. And it's ripping my heart out, this show. I don't know. I don't know channels. Uh, I don't even I don't even know. I don't know what channel. If you know what channel, just tell her after. I honestly don't know what, ch- what channel it is. But it's, it rips my heart out. Now, at the same time, I could watch something that fires me up and gets me, you know, politically engaged and, and rah, 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 you know, righteous indignation, all those things. Loving and encouraging instructive and angry, those all kind of go together. And that's not, the problem there isn't a sin nature problem. A lot of times in churches, pastors like to foist upon the uh, group, foist upon the group of people who are uh, in front of them, they like to foist the sin nature thing, because it's easy to talk about in the broad overarching thing. But I don't think this is a sin nature problem. Except that nature makes you solipsistic. Anybody? Solipsistic. A $47 word, which means the theory that the self is all that can be known to exist. You lose track that God is who we want to please. When you're solipsistic, you think it's all it's all me. Some people would call that self-centered, self-absorbed. But solipsistic sounds, you know, you get a doctorate degree, you got to say words like that. Or people want to take your doctorate degree away. So what is the cause of my problem? The cause of all of our problems is this. Now, this might surprise you. It might surprise you. I want to be God. I want to be God. And you might say, but pastor, that's, that's nuts. I don't want to be God. That's just crazy. I don't ever want to be that. Well, I have to ask you, would you like to decide what's right or wrong? Would you like to be the person who gets to decide that? You say, I don't want anyone telling me what's right. Or what's wrong? I want to decide for myself what's right and wrong. I want to call my own shots. I want to make my own rules, and I want to put myself at the center of the universe. I want to be my own boss, live my own way, and if it feels good, I want to do it. I used to have a good friend, or have a good friend, who used to tell me all the time, listen, you know I'm right. Don't argue with me. You know if I ran the world, it would be a better place. And I used to bob my head and say, yeah, it probably would be. 
But look, I don't want anybody telling me what to do with my life. I'm going to confess something to you right now. I am a country boy born and bred. Now, I'm watching this series. I'm not going to say the name of the series, but it's about the women in prison. Prison. And, and I'm, and I'm binge-watching this thing like it's going out of style. And I'm using it to remind myself of, because I know people very, very well and related to people who are doing life terms, no chance of parole in, in penitentiary, you know, maximum security penitentiary. And I know people, I've put several people in jail who are now out of jail. I've put some people in jail when a police officer for life. Some people that I put in jail or helped put in jail died in jail. They lived their whole life there. So when I say this, I don't want you to think that I'm I'm being uh, using hyperbole here or, or, or overdoing it in any way, but I'm a farm boy, and I feel, I live in a townhouse, and I feel like I'm in jail. I am not a city or town person. I'm a country person. I am designed, the way that I'm wired is to be out where I don't have neighbors, I don't have to... I don't have to ask somebody. I don't want some ordinance telling me what I can do or some rule. I can't park in front of this or park in front of that. I don't want some neighbor coming out <laughs> barking at me. You know, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like people on both sides. Now, I love people. I wouldn't do what I've done in my life if I didn't love people. But the fact of the matter is that I feel like I'm in jail. Other people telling me, observing me, telling me what to do with my life. I absolutely hate that. Ideally for me, I'd like to be out in the middle of 300 and some acres, maybe 3,000, I don't know. Uh, and you might say, how would you get to all those acres? I will tell you how. In one of those four-wheel cool vehicles, my my best buddy Chuck in Ohio, he has one. And I, I want to have a property that necessitates that. Now, that's not the only thing. I need to have a tractor if I have out there. You know, a tractor. I've got to have a tractor with all the little stuff to do, plant a giant garden or farm, whichever, deer plots you know, food plots, whatever. That's freedom to me. Maybe some water. I don't want to go too far with this, but maybe some water with a dock, a little boat, you know, and, and stuff, and a place to sit, look over the water, place to put my cameras so I can take pictures of the eagles, which would be flooded with eagles because, of course, there'd be giant fish in there. That's freedom to me. That's freedom. I can't hardly stand being in a place where all I see is pavement. Now, many of you might be wondering, you take wildlife photography. You do wildlife photography out in the middle of nowhere. Actually, many of those shots are from my own backyard, from the pond in my backyard, the woods in my backyard, because I'm trying to help other people who might look at my my photographs to escape the city urban life. I, it's not for me. I'm in prison when I'm here. What drives that is I don't want people telling me what I can and what I can't do. Well, folks, I'll tell you what that is. That's called playing God. What it says is I want to control, and the more insecure you are, the more you're driven to control. That's, that's all it's about. The more controlling a person is, the more insecure they are. The more you're driven to control. The more insecure you are, you want to control yourself, you want to control other people, you want to control your environment. You're driven to do this, and that is called playing God. God. This is man's oldest problem, folks. Man's oldest problem. Even Adam and Eve had it, you know? Here's how it went. God put them in paradise, capital P. Put them in paradise, and they tried to control paradise. They could walk with the Father every day. Hashem, and they walked together in the afternoon, in the morning. And they communicated with the Creator of everything. You've heard this saying before. Maybe I've even said it. Don't get any better than that. As my dear uh, president of, of my uh, seminary, Dr. Dennis Fry, God bless him. What a wonderful man. He, you'd ask him how he's doing. He said, I'm no better than top notch. That doesn't get better. That's top notch. That's the, that's the best you can be. You just can't be any better than that. And God said, you can do anything. You want except one thing. Don't eat from this one certain tree. He did not say, you can do anything you want with 80% of paradise. No. He said anything, everything but this. And what did they do? They made a beeline for that tree. The only thing in paradise God said was off limits was that one tree. 
and they made a beeline for that tree. Satan said, eat this apple or pomegranate or ice cream cone or that stuff, the apple stuff. Whoo, with a little bit of ice cream. I don't know if that's what it was. I'm taking some liberties here. But God said, don't eat the thing that comes off that tree, whatever fruit that was on there. He said, don't eat it. Satan said this. This I don't know if Satan said exactly this. I'm paraphrasing. Eat this apple or pomegranate ice cream cone, whatever, brownie, and be gods. Be gods. He didn't say be like me, be like Satan. He said like God himself. And that right there has been the problem from the very start. I want to be God. I want to call the shots. I want to run my own life. And ultimately, we all want to be in control. By denying our humanity and by trying to control everything for selfish, all-about-me reasons, I want to be the center of the universe. Ultimately, control is the real issue. I want to be in control. We want to control ourselves. We want to control other people. Everything around us, we want to control. Now, how do we play God? Well, we try to control our image. We try to control our image. wonder what that might look like. Anybody have any ideas? I bet you would know. You want to control what other people think of you. I want to control what other people think of me. I'm not going to lie to you. Listen, I had no self-image when I was in high school. I was just a country boy, string bean. I was. I was this height, but about, I don't know, I don't know numbers, but I was real small. I was. You didn't go out in windy days, if you know what I'm saying. I came back from uh, United States Navy basic training. I was about... I guess 20, 20 to 40 pounds heavier, something like that. People saw me and didn't recognize me. They were like, is this you? Yeah, that's how skinny I was in high school. And growing up, I was very, very thin. I ate, ate like something you never saw, but I just couldn't put on weight. But I had no idea what people thought of me. And people got a hold of me this week and last that I went to high school with. And, and they told me what they thought of me what back then and now. But if they follow what I do, I'm shocked by it. And they said what they think of me, and I thought to myself, and I met some followers at a big event that I went to, uh, I think it was this week or last, and they told me, oh, yeah, I listen to your show every week. I have it put on a thing, and we all sit there and we listen to it. I had no idea. I had no idea, and people told me things. But then people can tell you bad things. Oh, you were a jerk. You were stuck up. I wasn't stuck up. I was very quiet. I know that's hard for you to believe, but I was. But we want to control our image. We want to control what people think of us. We don't really want anybody to really know what we're really like. We play games. We wear masks. We pretend. We fake it. We want people to see certain sides of us, and then we hide other parts, parts we don't like. We deny our weaknesses. We deny our feelings. Somebody asks you. We talked about this on the way here. Somebody asks you, are you mad? Are you okay? Are you all right? How are you doing? Let's just take the mad for one. Are you mad? We say, no, I'm not mad. No. Right? Not very convincing, of course. You say, I'm not upset. I'm not worried. I'm not afraid. Why do we say that? Because we don't want people to see the real us. Why am I so afraid to tell you who I really am? The answer is this. If I tell you who I really am and you don't like it and you don't like me, tough for me because that's all I got. I'm all I got. So we try to hide. We try to control our image. A decade or so, Cindy Crawford, I love this story, was featured on the cover of Time Magazine. Now, she's been on – I didn't know this, by the way. Cindy Crawford's been on more covers than any other human being alive. Isn't that amazing? Do you guys know who Cindy Crawford is? We're not tight, me and her. We're not besties or anything. But they asked Cindy what it must be like to be beautiful, as beautiful as Cindy Crawford. What is it like to be Cindy Crawford? Well, they're interviewing her, and she laughed. She just threw her head back and laughed at that. Cindy Crawford laughed and answered, it takes three hours of makeup and hair to look like this. You should see me when I wake up. Even Cindy Crawford admits it's almost impossible to look like Cindy Crawford, and she is Cindy Crawford. She needs help. We try to control other people. This is another thing we do. Parents try to control kids. Kids try to control other people. There are office politics in your office. If you work in an office, you have office politics. Countries try to control other countries. We use a lot of tools to manipulate each other. We use guilt, control, anger, rage. We try to control people. That's what we do. We try to control problems, our problems. We're good at this, we think. We use phrases like, well, I can handle this. 
That's not really a problem. Really, I'm fine. That's somebody playing God, folks. I can handle it. I'm okay. Really, I'm fine. We control our problem. We don't need any help, and I certainly don't need counseling, right? I remember people, I used to have a counseling practice, and I had lots of people come sit down in front of me. Look, I'm here. I'm only here because I always ask, so what brings you here today? I'm only here because she's making me come. I'm only here because he's making me come. Or I'm only here because, you know, my mom said I had to be here. Or I'm only here because, you know, whatever the excuse was. I don't have any problems. We try to control our problems. Oh, I can quit drinking or lying or overeating or laziness or rage or whatever. Whatever your thing is at any time, I can do it. It's no problem. If I want to quit, I will. I love this one. I'll work it out on my I have this good friend, Isaac. See, Isaac didn't know when he came to my house to repair, repair an appliance that he was going to sit down and have dinner with us. This night. Never, met Alec, never met Isaac before in my life. Isaac Sakura, awesome guy. Walking Bible, amazing guy. Didn't know that when we hired him to come fix an appliance. This was years ago. Isaac's just a neat guy. He's just straight up a neat guy. And uh, we said, hey, Isaac, are you hungry? He said, well, I am a little hungry. I said, you want to sit down and have dinner with us? He said, I never have done that before, but... For some reason, all right. And so we did. We sat there. He was there for, you know, an hour and a half, two hours, sitting and having dinner with us, talking and everything. Great guy. Really liked the guy. He's our appliance repair guy at County Appliance. What is the toughest repair? I asked him. I said, what is the toughest repair you've ever had? Isaac says, the toughest repair is when the guy, the homeowner, thinks he can repair anything, but he can't. He thinks he's Tim the tool man, but he's not. Things he can repair anything. They make the problem worse by trying to fix it on their own. They're trying to fix it. I know this. I know I can do this. I know how to do this. I'm going to do it. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to fix it myself. I don't need anybody else's help. I don't need to ask anybody else. I've got my tools somewhere. I don't know what tools I'll need. I don't know what they're called, but that's fine. I'm going to fix it myself because nobody else is coming in. And then they end up making the problem far worse. The more you try to fix something yourself, the worse the problem gets. Here's another thing. We try to control our pain. Have you ever thought about how much time you spend running from pain? Have you? Trying to avoid it, deny it, escape it, reduce it, or postpone it. People try to postpone their pain by eating or not eating. How many people do you know? Listen, I've counseled lots of people. I, this, this one lady was the worst case I've ever seen in my life. Ever seen in my life. She was from the state of Pennsylvania. The situation was so dire, the husband just kind of, Threw up his hand and said, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. She's dying right in front of me. And she did. Two little kids, two beautiful little kids, trying to diagnose what's wrong. What's wrong with her in, in her mind, in her psyche? What happened in her past? What's going on in her present that we can't see? She said, I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem. I'm fine. He sent me uh, wedding pictures. Stunningly beautiful woman. Stunningly beautiful. Like a, like, like a Cindy Crawford. Her wedding day pictures look like uh, 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 an advertisement for wedding something or others. That's how good they were. He's a great-looking guy. They had beautiful children, beautiful wife, shell of a woman. She died at 69 pounds, I think. Six, 69 or – it was in the 60s. I don't know exactly. She, she was, you know, just a shell, just literally a skeleton. And then I've talked to lots of other people who have a problem with overeating. You know, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I have a problem with overeating. I do. I never used to be a – be able to do anything I wanted, eat whatever I wanted, never gain weight. I do now, though. But my problem isn't quite to the place that some folks are. Some people are eating themselves to death emotionally. Maybe they're not putting on a bunch of weight, but they have this emotional issue with eating. Maybe we try to postpone our pain by getting drunk or by smoking or by taking drugs. Or, hey, here's one that might occur to you, by getting in and out of relationships. We try to postpone our pain. This next relationship is what I really need to feel really whole and significant. And so what do we do? We jump in with both feet. We get into that relationship. Uh-oh, that wasn't it. Then you get out. Then you get back in. It's in and out of one relationship after another. Or you develop some kind of compulsive habit to try to control your pain. I'm going to confess something to you. I used to be OCD. Did I not? Literally. Not kidding around. Totally was. I would leave my office. I had a financial planning office and estate trust planning and all that stuff. I would leave my office in Ashland, Ohio. I would lock my door. You know, I had, I had my whole system. 
I would be on the phone, was I not? Did you hear me lock the door? I'm locking the door right now. Did you hear me lock the door? I had two locks on it. You know, it's it's all set up, you know, Mr. High Security. And I would get how far? 20, 30 minutes, 40 minutes from home. I I lived a good bit from where I worked. Uh, And I would say, did you remember me lock the door? And she would say, yeah, 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 you did. I remember you saying that. Well, I don't know. I don't know if I did. And I would have to turn around because I wouldn't be able to sleep. Not that I'm able to sleep anyway. Drive all the way back there and check the locks. Literally. Now, if I was smart now with these cell phones that have the cameras on them, just take a picture and then look at that picture. Locked door. You know, make a little note on the picture. Locked door. And it records the time of day for it. I did. I had it bad. It wasn't just that. It was other stuff, too. Now, I don't know how all that developed. I don't know where that came from. I certainly wasn't like that at other times in my life, I don't think. But it was bad. You know, it was real bad. Compulsive habits. And all it really comes down to is trying to control your pain. Or you become abusive or angry with other people or critical or judgmental. To how you're, you know people like that. They're so judgmental. They're so critical. Maybe it's you. I had a golfer on the golf course. I was flying a little drone the other day, and he was with uh, two other guys. And uh, this is not against golfers. Uh, but, but he was a club thrower. You know those people. And I'll fly my drone. Well, all of a sudden, I have permission to be there, you know, the, the head of the golf course. You can be there. So my battery had run low, and so it beeps. Well, I was back from where they were, but he could still faintly hear the beeping. That's a little tiny beep. You know, it's not like a siren or whatever. And I said, hey, guys, you know, they were just driving up. I said, sorry, my drone's battery's low. I'm going to have to bring it in for a landing. And then it'll stop beeping. I hope it doesn't disturb you. Well, none of the other two guys, they didn't have a problem. They were, ah, it's all right, don't worry about it, no problem. It's not going to affect me. I'm going to shoot like crap anyway. And then this guy gets up there, and he keeps looking at me. And I can see him getting mad. He's a big guy, you know, got a big old golf club in his hand. And then he had some foul things to say. And, and then, then he starts with the club in his hand coming at me like this. Well, that wasn't wise. That's not wise at all. And I advised him that that's not wise in the very – direct and convincing way so he thought about it and decided maybe this is not the day for that and then he hit a shot that was terrible and of course he blamed it on me i don't know who he's going to blame the next 10 shots on but whatever but sometimes people are abusive or angry or ragey they get mad i don't know why they do but maybe they're trying to control things maybe they're trying to control their own pain look there's a saying you've heard me say countless times hurting people hurt people Look, I've, I've been to lots of prisons. I've been to lots and lots of prisons. And I've visited people who are in there for the rest of their natural lives. I've visited people that I put in prison. The guy that hit me and killed his friend went to prison. Was it for five years? Has it been five years? He's out now. Almost five years he's out. I didn't visit him. But I visited lots of people in prison. And you know one thing you learn more than anything? You talk to these people, hurting people hurt people. It's just a fact. Well, maybe another way we try to control our pain is we get depressed. Depression drugs, number one drug in the world, except for ED drugs. My goodness, they're important. Your Viagra's and your all those, unbelievable. Number one drug. Next to that, depression drugs. There are many ways we try to control our pain. Pain comes when we realize in our quiet moments, in our dark moments, we're not God. We can't control everything, and that's scary. You know, Saturday Night Live isn't funny at all now, but there was a time when I was a kid that it was somewhat funny. Every now and then, I I don't know what, you'd watch it, hoping that something funny would happen. Then occasionally, the old, old, old cast, there'd be something funny on it. You could laugh at it. There was this guy named Chevy Chase. You guys know who he is probably. He's a pretty contemporary guy. And he would kind of fall on stage. You know, talk about a guy, he was addicted to pain, pain pills. It was very serious uh, alcohol, drug, and prescription, you know, prescription drug, um, pain drug. Because he would do these pratfalls. You hear, hear those people do pratfalls. It's a type of comedy, you fall, and all this stuff. Well, he hurt his back, his knees, everything, really, really bad. So he got addicted to drugs. But he would come on stage in that funny sort of way. And he'd say, hi, I'm Chevy Chase, and you're not. I can imagine God saying to us, hi, I'm God, and you're not. That's the first step. 
recognize that we're not God. There are many consequences, though, of playing God. Four problems. I'll do the actual number four with my hand. Four problems that always happen when we try to play God. This is for real. Maybe it will resonate with you. Fear. When I try to control everything, I get afraid. Adam said, I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. We're afraid somebody's going to find out who we really are, that we're fakes, that we're phony, that we really don't have it all together, that we're not perfect. So I don't want to let anyone get really close to me, um, and, and this is kind of how I am. I'm saying I don't. I'm saying it for me and for everybody else. There are lots of people like that. They don't want to let people get close to me. You know what's crazy? Some of the best friends, some of the best relationships I've ever had in my life was, were in the Navy. When I was in the Navy, we were a we were a tight bunch, man. We were a tight bunch. That's why I don't like anybody making jokes about dropping soap or whatever in the Navy. That's Obama's Navy. That wasn't my Navy. I can tell you my Navy experience was there's people from all over the world, some as young as 17 years old. Me. In the Navy, who loved their countries who weren't doing it because they couldn't go to college. I had multiple full-ride full, full ride scholarships. I, I wanted to go serve while my body was best, that I could give everything I had, up to and including my life. It was really, really tough to have other jobs because nothing measured up to my Navy buddies. But you want to know what's crazy? As I got out of the Navy, my mother's house at my mother's house, she started receiving lots of letters from guys that I served with in the Navy saying, hey, I'm trying to get a hold of Sean Greener. This was the address on file form. And back then, you know, www.whatever, that didn't really exist as much now. And so but they did what they could, and, and they tried to track me down. And I, my mom would hand me the letter, and I'd open the letter, and I'd read it. I mean, man, I love this dude. He was a good guy. And then I'd never write to him. I'd never write to him. I got this, man. I don't want to be attached to somebody who lives a gazillion miles away. I probably won't ever see. How stupid am I? I have been in other countries, Prague, Czechoslovakia. I was in Prague, Czechoslovakia, my favorite city in all the world, walking down the street, and a guy walks out of a watch shop of all places, like just like this, a door like this. I'm schlepping along, you know, trying to keep my eye on what I'm doing. Guy comes out, bumps into me, almost knocks me over, and says, holy feces, Sean Greener. I'm like, what? And it was one of my buddies from the Navy. Prague, Czechoslovakia, of all places. But I was in this place, I'm telling you, I was in this place mentally where I wanted to be in a tunnel. I didn't want to be dependent upon anybody. I didn't want to give too much of myself. I wanted to pretend I had it all together. Pretend... We pretend we're not afraid. We pretend we don't want to let anybody get close enough to us to see us afraid. So we fake it, and we pretend, and we end up filling our lives with fear. Ultimately, we're afraid somebody will reject us. Somebody won't want us. Somebody won't pursue us. Somebody won't accept us. Somebody won't be true to us. Somebody will betray us. Some folks think that people only pretend to like them. That's how I was. Truth be told. It's an absolute fact. I swear that's true to you. I used to believe that the only people who professed that they liked me, cared about me, were pretending. Now, I can't honestly tell you where that comes from. I've never unpacked it, truth be told. But that's how I felt. Every single person that said, man, we really like you. I really like you, buddy. You're good. I always thought in my head, mm, they're just pretending. They're just pretending. Ultimately, we're afraid someone will reject us. Rejection sucks. I'm telling you right now, that's not a very pastorly word, but it's the only way to put it sometimes. Have any of you in here ever been rejected? Sure. Rejection stinks. We're, we're afraid people are going to reject us. We're afraid that people are going to trick us or just avoid us. Maybe it's that they only think they like, maybe they think they like me, but they don't. You know, I went through all this stuff in my head. But maybe it's because they don't really like me. They like the me I'm pretending to be. They only like an image of me. If they really knew what I was actually like, they wouldn't like me. So I resent that in advance. You know, I resent that in advance in case that's how they're thinking and feeling. We're filled with fear when we try to play God. Number two is frustration. It's frustrating to be the general manager of the universe, right? I used to like to go play, uh, there's this place where I grew up uh, called Playland, or Funland. 
Um, you'd think if I grew up there, but I have a brain injury. Funland. And I used to love to go there when I was a kid because for $5, you could you could be there for hours, right? It's not like that now. It's a lot more money to be there. The rides are stupid. They're really too small, and I can't ride on them anymore for whatever reason. But there was this game I used to like to play because I used to have really fast reflexes. And and so what you do is you have this – it's a mallet, and it's attached to – the wire and it's attached to this board and there's holes in the board. I think it's called whack-a-mole. And the thing, the thing pops up and you try to whack it. And just when you try to whack that one, that one goes away and another one pops up. So you go, no, I'm going to get that one. No, I'm going to get this one. No, I'm going to get that one. The minute you hit one down, another one pops up over and over and it happens and it's frustrating. Woof. But that's life. We whack down one compulsion, one problem, one hurt habit or hang up and another one pops up. And it's so frustrating because you can't get them all knocked down at the same time. You have one mallet and a bunch of problems. Amen. You walk around pretending you're God. I'm powerful. I can handle it. And if you're so powerful, why don't you just unplug the machine? Look, if you want to win the game, go behind it. Pull the power plug out. All those whack-a-moles will stay still. They won't move. That's a trick for me to you. Don't get caught doing it, though. Frustration. The emissary Shaul, or the Apostle Paul, as some of you might say, realized this. He said, it seems to be a fact of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Something else is deep inside me. The war, that war with my mind, that wins the fight, makes me a slave to the sin. David understood it, too. My dishonesty made me miserable and filled my days with frustration. If you're frustrated... It is a symptom of a deeper problem that you haven't dealt with. That's the root issue. You're not God. You're trying to control everything, and you know what? It doesn't work. Here's number three, fatigue. Folks, I'm just going to share this with you. This is free of charge at no cost or obligation to you. You don't have to put anything extra in the little thing in the back. It is tiring to play God. Trying to control everything in the universe, it's exhausting, and it doesn't work. Trying to control everything, pretending you've got it all together, pretending and denial takes a lot of energy, and eventually you run out. In Psalm 30, let me, say, let me interrupt myself really quick on that. You know, my mother raised five children. My mother's birthday, Lillian Louise Greener, wonderful, amazing lady, powerhouse, powerhouse person of faith. She'll be 87 years old, March 2nd. That's this week, right? This week. Um, she's 87 years old, and, and she, my father lived, this may not resonate with some folks, but my father, we lived in one place, and about two hours away, my dad worked during the week, and he lived there where he worked, because it was a good job, and he, you know, he's going to retire from there, and we lived two hours away. So my dad, I would only see my dad Fridays at some point on Friday evening, usually, uh, but my mom raised us, four boys and one girl, the oldest, you know, my sister, my favorite sister. It's only one sister, but still, she's my favorite. I tell her that all the time. Remind her, you're my favorite sister. Hmm. It doesn't seem to work with her anymore. But, uh, but you know, my mom worked really, really hard. She worked hard not to raise sissies. Believe you me, you wanted if you're going to get spanked, if, if the war path came down, you wanted to be dad, not mom. Dad, six six, two hundred and fifty, two hundred and sixty pounds. Mom, I'm not going to say her height, but she was significantly smaller, um, but mighty. I was have to put that in case some somehow she's listening. I don't want to get in trouble. Uh, but my mom, she didn't want to raise sissies. Now, that's not a PC word anymore, but it's true. She would tell you, I'm not raising any sissies. So she was tough on us, but she was awesome. She did her very best. She tried to keep it all together, all the balls in the air and all the amazing different things that she did. She was amazing. You know, I could never be hard on her because of what she did, what she accomplished, what she achieved with really so little. She was absolutely amazing. But, you know, trying to control everything, she would be so tired at the end of the night because she had to. She had to do everything. She was by herself except for on the weekends. Psalm 32, David said, my strength evaporated like water on a sunny day until I finally admitted all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide them. Now, who was the psalmist talking to? He was conversing with God until I finally admitted all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide them. Many people try to hide their pain. They run from the pain by keeping busy. 
We think, look, I don't like the way I feel when I slow down. I used to be like this. I used to be like this. I, I want to keep going. Let's keep going. Keep moving. Keep moving. I never wanted to stop moving. Never wanted to stop trying to, to do this and to do that. To do, you know, thousand different balls in the air, right? I want to keep going. I don't like the way it feels when I slow down. I don't like the way I feel. I don't like the sounds that go through my head when I when I lay my head back on the pillow. I don't like those feelings and those sounds, so I'll just keep busy. You run from pain by constantly being on the go. Work yourself to death at work. Or you get into some hobby or some sport, and it becomes an obsession, and you wear yourself out with it. You're hoping that if you wear yourself out enough with hobby, sports, relentless, religious involvement, that's right, I said it. I remember being a little kid and the pastor and the other people at church trying to guilt my mother, who was essentially a single mother, you know, five days of the week, five and a half days of the week. Well, you need to be here for this. You need to bring those kids here for that. You need to be three, four, five nights a week. My mother's schlepping up to the church with a bunch of little snotty nose. We weren't snotty nose. She she would be appalled if we were snotty nose. Uh, but but we would go up to that, and, and she'd be running herself ragged. And all around us would be other people trying to figure out, now there are worse places you can go than church sometimes. Sometimes some churches are the worst place you can go. But you're hoping in that religious, relentless religious involvement or political activities, or whatever it is you do, whatever that thing is that you're just constantly doing, constant activity hides your pain, and you're hoping when your head hits the pillow, if I stay busy enough, I'll be so tired, I'll just fall asleep fast, and I won't think. I won't have to hear the pain. I won't have to hear the voices in my head yet again. Now, look, if you're in a constant state of fatigue, you're always working out, you're always running from this, that, or the other, I ask you to humbly ask yourself. Look, I'm just going to tell you, I've talked to two people last week on the road all the time. All the time. Well, I got to take my kids here. I got to have, well, they're in this and they're in that. And I'm taking, as soon as this finishes, then I got to take the kids over to the so and so. And then my husband's got to do this. And then, then, you know, and then I'm talking to the husband. The husband says, well, I got to be over here to do this and to take the kids. I'm like, how many activities you got those kids in? When do they do the homework? When they're asleep? When do you guys sit down and eat, have a meal together, laugh, and talk about your day? Whoa, man, we never do that. We have these little trays we take in the car, and that's where they do their homework, and they eat their food on them. We have the food ready and the little carrots cut up, and that's what we do. You have violin, piano, you know, dance, whatever. I have to ask myself, when I was that busy, what in the world am I running from? What problem do I not want to face up to that motivates and drives me to work and work and work and work so that I'm constantly in a state of fatigue? Here's number four, failure. Listen, folks, when you try to play God, that's one job description you are guaranteed to fail at. Proverbs 28, 13, you'll never succeed in life if you try to hide your sins. Confess them. Give them up. Then God will show mercy to you. God will show mercy. Then God will show mercy to you. Confess them. Give them up. Then God will show mercy to you. There's a song that I love. It's a hymn. Nobody sings hymns anymore, but I love them. I surrender all. Man, do I love that song. All to Jesus. I surrender all. You need to be honest and open about your weaknesses and your faults and your failures. Listen, I, before my crash, I had a counseling practice. I heard lots of truly awful stories. I'm telling you, stories that would... I thought I had bad stuff when I was in the military and, and a police officer, but I'm telling you, some of the stories I heard as a counselor really wear you out, wear your soul down. Lots of awful, awful stories. And there are ways to react, and there are ways to definitely not react. This is what I would tell people. There are ways to react to your problems, to your hurts, habits, and hang And there are ways, two ways specifically, you definitely shouldn't do. Number one is, my problem's not that bad. That's called denial, not just a river in Egypt. How bad does it have to get before you admit that you need some help? How bad does that hurt, that relationship, that pain, that problem, that memory have to get before you admit you need help? Unfortunately, it's human behavior. It's human nature, which we never change until the pain becomes greater than the fear of change. We don't change until we see the light. Now, let me say this about seeing the light. Let me say this about seeing the light. This is very important. We change. We don't change when we see the light, by the way. That's a common misconception. We change when we feel the heat of the light. And the relationships begin to fall apart. And the kids 
go off the rails, they go in the wrong direction, or our weight starts piling on or falling off, or you get that dreaded phone call in the middle of the night, save yourself some pain. Start early on your healing. You know, I'm, I have some experience with prison, putting people in prison, going to visit lots of people in prison, counselors, all of this stuff, and I can tell you, those people, my problem is not that bad. It's called denial. How many alcoholics, how many drug addicts? Listen, there are so many drug addicts that are addicted to regular prescription drugs from their cap, from their medicine cabinet. They got it innocuously enough. Hey, man, I've had 17 back surgeries. Of course I have to take pain pills. I'm not knocking that. Then they end up addicted to drugs. Then they end up stealing drugs. I worked with a guy who his best friend's wife had cancer. She was uh, really, really, really bad with cancer. And and he had all these back surgeries because he got hurt on the job being a police officer. He was a great cop. He got addicted to pain drugs until eventually he got caught. Stealing drugs, cancer drugs, you know, pain drugs, for his best friend's wife. How bad does it have to get before you ask for help? Listen, we change when we feel the heat or everything starts to fall apart. Start early on your healing. One man said, it happened to me when the acid of my pain finally ate through the wall of my denial. The acid of my pain finally ate through the wall of my denial. God whispers to us in our pleasures, but he shouts to us in our pain. Do not make God raise his voice. Pain is God's megaphone, folks. Let the pain motivate you to get help, to face the issue that you've been ignoring 10, 20, maybe 30 years. How is your pain level? It's a warning light to you, and you've got to listen to it. Here's number two. This is another way that you – this the two ways you don't do when you're trying to deal with this stuff. That's fine, but I can solve my own problems. This talk about healing hurts, habits, and hang-ups, that's for somebody else. That's not for me. Well, that's denial too. And unless you've had a perfect life, there are some things everybody has to deal with. You say, I can handle my problem. I can take care of it. The fact is, if you could handle it, you would have handled it by now, and it wouldn't be a problem. You can't, so you won't, and you didn't. If you could have handled the problem, it wouldn't be a problem. You, you wouldn't still be dealing with this today, but you can't, so you won't. The denial is as old as Adam and Eve. I talked to you about Adam and Eve. They had a problem. They ran. They hid behind the bush. Think about how stupid it was for them to go hide behind a bush. God created them. God created the bush. God created the ground they were on. God created everything around them, the air that they breathed, and they hid from God. How are you going to hide from God? That's a pointless, fruitless exercise in futility. Sometimes I ask people, have you told God about your hurt habit or hanging? Oh, no, I wouldn't want him to know about it. You can't get fixed until you fess up and you face up. You face up to your faults and you admit it. Without God, I am powerless. We have to admit that without God in our lives, Yeshua in our hearts, we are indeed powerless. You need God. And you need other people. All this great food. I love it, and I joke about it, and I laugh about it, and I brag about it all the time. I really do. Everywhere I go speak, I say, hey, if you're in the Delaware, Maryland, Pennsylvania, New Jersey area, you've got to come, come at 5 o'clock on Sundays and have an amazing meal with amazing people. As much as I joke about it, it's not just about the food. You need God, and you need other people. Food isn't the only reason we gather every week. We gather also because we need each other. That's the reason we gather together. What I'd like to encourage you to do this week, and I think this is important, is to really, really think, really think about. This week, I want you to really think about what you've been running from. What have you been struggling with? What hurt, habit, or hang-up has dragged you down over the years? Maybe things haven't blown completely up. Maybe they haven't. Your hurt, habit, or hang-up has never come to light. Maybe nobody else knows, so you think, about your hurt, habit, or hang-up. Why not? Why not get with God this week and confess it to him? You're not telling him anything he doesn't already know. Then why not find a friend that you can trust 
and share that conversation with them. Why not? What you might find out is that friend, if they're truly a good friend, might say, it's funny that you come to me this week. You've given me the courage to confess this to somebody, that I've been struggling with this or that for a long time. You know, that's the crazy thing about life. We live life and we think that we're isolated. I talked in the beginning about I'm a farm boy and I don't want anybody around me. It's not to say I don't love people. I do love people. I do. I really, really do. But you know what? Sometimes we don't want to be around people because we don't want to be found out. Thank you for joining us all around the world. Thank you for all the folks in chat. It's a blessing to have you. Join us on Wednesday. I have no idea what I'm going to talk about on Wednesday, but it'll be something. Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Go to theninjapastor.com or drshawngreeter.com. Follow me at the Ninja Pastor on Twitter. Follow me on Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, all that other stuff. There's a million different places. We sure enjoyed having you. Live audience here and the radio audience. God bless you and thank you for joining us tonight. Join us next time for Sundays with Dr. Sean. And please follow this show and the Collision of Faith and Politics radio show during the week at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Ninja Pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at The Ninja Pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio. And check out all the free messages, archive shows, and buy Dr. Sean's critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, at www.drshawngreener.com. Join us during the week. And in the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining us in this fight.